Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is still hanging on in there. My name is Paul Hirons and joining me in the same is, as ever, the pussy to my galore, the odds to my job, the mist to my money penny, the scarra to my manga, the honey to my rider, the max to my zorin and the felicity to my shagwell. <laughs> it's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Good evening, Paul. Now, you know, I was sat home last night enjoying a nice evening and I get a surprise from Paul telling me, oh, yeah, mate, you, you're going to be there tomorrow. You've got McGregor as our guest <laughs> on the podcast. Forgetting completely that on the pod last week, oh, me, me and Nathan, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off now. And, I you do know, not speak like that. We'll come to your... Uh... Nathan and I are going to take a couple of weeks off now. <laughs> I don't speak like that either. <laughs> So here I am, dragged off the street into this podcast on my Wednesday night. So oh, it's a tough happy life, to be here as usual, and I. Uh, you're co- you've got to see out your contract. You've got to see out my contract, man. <laughs> fifty episode contract. <laughs> what are we on? Forty three. Yeah, forty three. Fifty. Yeah, all we'll, the fans we'll... got to send us loads of gifts and like presents and stuff. <laughs> some, <laughs> some checks, you know. Some checks. Some merchandise. Okay. A few cards. Well, um, a, a squash assortment. A squash assortment, wow. Squash assortment. (laughs) Well, um, listeners, I don't expect you to send anything in, but what we might do is do something a bit special. We'll have to do something good for the 50th. They ain't even that long away, really. No, no, that's right. Uh, I'm just quite tempted to power through, forget the (laughs) mid-season breaks. every day now. Just about every day. Paul Brown's podcast. Paul Brown. He's knocking them out every day, that geezer. Yeah, Paul Brown, if you don't know, is the uh, Browns. Uh, well, for want of a better phrase, super fan who uh, we bumped into, and I've been on his podcast uh, a few times, and he does do stuff every single day. You know, a daily podcast. We'd have about one listener. Maybe <laughs> Duncan Yeadon. <laughs> if we're lucky. If we're lucky, yeah, yeah. Um, Mad, though, isn't it? Well, you know, Joe and Jake do Locked On Bengals every day, don't they? Do so, they? Yeah, every single day. I didn't know that was daily Imagine well. doing that every day. What would we talk I struggle about? struggle to do it every week with you, let alone every day. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the guests. Some people got more stamina than us, clearly, then, don't they? <laughs> well, I like to say it's uh, quality, not yes, quantity. Yes, that's, that's, that's the right thing <laughs> to say. That's always been my... Uh, Motto. motto in life, yeah, I would yeah, say, yeah. for everything. Um, <laughs> Moving swiftly on, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean. It's 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 it's, it's not hard because we're just talking about football. You Mate, know what I mean? Enjoyable. I love it, and it's good fun. I and um, we're going to keep it going because I think it's important for for you guys out there to have a voice, uh, even if it is via us. Um, and us, you know, you can laugh at us talking nonsense once exactly. a week, exactly, which you frequently do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is a bit of stuff to get through, not least because, uh, as you've probably read and heard already, the Bengals weren't done in free agency. Oh no, 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 no! Uh, last week, and now as everything is shaken out a bit, we're gonna, we've got a bit of a better idea of the team composition, what they're looking like, and what they make might go in the draft. So we're going to be grading each position group. Yeah. Um, we did the list last year. I know other podcasts have done this before, but we thought we'd wait until. I wouldn't say it's the end of free agency, but I think the Bengals. It's the you know they've got a bit of a bit of money in the pot, but yeah. perhaps they're going to use that for some re-signings. Yeah, yeah. You know, locking up people like Tyler Boyd and who knows even AJ Green and people like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we also, so we're going to be doing that, uh, and that's always quite good fun. Um, and we also have a special guest, and it is ESPN 1530, 
and the Athletics' Mo Egger joining us a little bit later. And if you know Mo, and if you follow him on Twitter, he's at Mo Egger fifteen thirty. You you know for sure that he doesn't muck about, and uh, as ever, he entertainingly shoots on the lip. Um, with some thoughts that not everybody might agree with. Uh, some of you might, some of you might not. So do stay tuned to that. But um, let's go through the Bengals news real quick because uh, two, well, Josh Tupu is re-signed. <laughs> good, good yeah, for yeah, Josh. Good. And if you saw his on, his signing video on Bengals.com, he looks absolutely thrilled good to be there. You know what I mean? He well, could be a pro bowler next season. You don't yeah, know. He might not you be. You don't know. I, don't, I probably do know on that one. But <laughs> yeah, Fair play to Josh, you know what I mean? It's good to get him back. Uh, and he did make a few splashy plays last year, didn't he, mm, when yeah, he came yeah. in? Um, but, of course, uh, the big news, I guess, was uh, the re-signing of... Massive re-signing. Darquez... Darquez... Darquez? Darquez. Darquez Denard. Mm. Um, we all thought he's gone last week, didn't we? We sat here saying, you know, there's virtually no way they're going to bring him back. We were talking about figures, 10 to $12 million. Get the geezer back for five. Oh, it's His agent's got to be sacked. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't got Drew Rosenhouse, clearly, is he? No, he hasn't got Nathan Palmer. He hasn't either. got me either. That's shocking money. For Mind you, you'd probably get him. You'd probably get him to resign for about two hundred quid, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> but think about this: Bobby Hart is clearly out earning Darquez Denard. Yeah, it doesn't quite I mean, make different sense. Different position group, but like that's a that's a staggeringly good deal for the Bengals. I know it's only a one year deal, but he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder, the geezer. I mean, he's going to want to, you know, he's going to want to have an amazing season. He's going to be furious. Five minutes less than he was getting paid last year. So we're paying him less money, getting him back. Very, very good slot cornerback. You know, really. Uh, you know, if Dre Kirkpatrick goes down or WJ3 goes down, you plug him in outside. He can do a job out there as well. You know, for five million for that level of talent, you know, with a chip on his shoulder, playing for a contract in a contract year, that's fantastic deal for the Bengals. Fair play to you know the back room. They get a lot of slagging off, but that's a that's a good move in my book. Paul, about you? I have to say. I, I don't disagree with you, but I was I was a little bit I was in two minds about it. We just signed B.W. Webb, who yeah. Boyle accounts had a really good season in the slot. He'd found his niche uh, with the Giants after bouncing around the league. His stats were comparable to Denard, so we'd signed B.W. Webb, and I honestly thought you know Denard was gone like mm. everyone else because we'd seemed to have signed his replacement. Uh, and then Denard came back on a yeah I agree with you they I think the Bengals probably played that just about perfectly in terms of letting them letting him test the market he visited with the Chiefs didn't get a deal pretty quickly realized that the market he thought might be there wasn't there and he came back tail between his legs to Cincinnati and they got him on a a cheaper deal than he was already on but I do wonder is <laughs> Where does BW Webb fit in now? Depth. Absolutely they're depth. They're not paying him a lot, are they? Really? No, they're so. not. But it's kind of like, could that money have been used elsewhere? I don't think there's many quality starters of Denar's uh, talent that were left on the market for us to go and spend on. I mean, I think to get a player No, like but that, not necessarily in the cornerback market. No, but, but even, even that's what so, I mean. There's not too many players left knocking around now that will be 
you know, in that range of sort of solid starters. So I think to go lock one up for five million, cornerback's one of those positions as well in the past. We've had a lot of injuries at cornerback and it's not a position you want to be too thin on going down the stretch. And I think you've got Kirkpatrick who, you know, plays questionable at time, but he's, he's a, you know, a solid enough starter. WJ3, very, very good starter. Denard, solid, you know, for a third corner, very, very solid player. And now you have got uh, BW Webb, you know, arguably is in there as your fourth guy. So, well, yeah, ex- I think that, I think that's it. And if you throw in there Darius Phillips and yeah. Devonte Harris, who yeah. apparently both pretty light last yeah. season, yeah. two fifth rounders, um, then yes, then I sat and think thought about it and thought, well, BW Webb is going to be better than Tony McRae. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be better than Kavari Russell. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it's. I'm, I'm, Maybe those two have poor gone. last year, covering over the middle and stuff. So I think, well, yeah, I think in depth, as as Denard said, they could have a very, very, very strong, which was you know th- their outside corners were pretty strong last year. The Bengals they played much better down the stretch. Uh, Denard was was good in the slot until he got injured, unfortunately. Um, and if you add B.W. Webb, if you add you know second year Harris and Phillips into the mix. Then suddenly you've got a, you know, a secondary that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Look or looks pretty good on paper. Mm. So yeah, I I kind of thought about it and I I came to the conclusion that actually yeah we we're gonna have a pretty strong back end next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course you know if the the team is going to play nickel a lot, then you're going to need that depth at corner and you know obviously people like Tony McRae. Not necessarily through any fault of his own, but he was thrown in there at the deep end. Yeah, just wasn't able to to kind of produce the quality of our starters. Cornerback depth was always a problem last year. Yeah, and with the injuries, that really came to to bear, didn't it? But um, I think it rules us out of taking a cornerback in a draft in the first three or four rounds as well. Yeah, I think if they do. To be honest, I think so. I think so. Um, I think um, had had we not signed Denard. Yeah, I think they might have gone corner relatively high, um, but I, you know, not, not, I think they'll probably take one again, but because you can never have too many good corners. Um, but you look at those five guys now, and I'm, you know, Jackson, Kirkpatrick, Denard, Webb, Phillips, uh, Harris. That's not bad. That's not bad at no, all. It's going to be a hell of a training camp as well for who gets those. Yeah, spots. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Denard, I think, was a positive signing. Yeah. Uh, and they played it well in terms of letting him test the market and then saying, "Well, if you want to, you know, yeah, here's a slightly cheaper deal." Um, and then they signed uh, defensive end Kerry Wynn. Yeah, today wasn't it? Well, he was he was touted a couple of three days ago, but it's official yeah. been made official today. Um, Bring all these geezers from the Giants over, aren't they? Yeah. Lou and Arumu. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Getting these geezers in. Yeah, I again, an unheralded guy, mm. but if you look at G- Giants' Twitter, they're pretty sorry to see him go. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Very solid player by the looks of it, and Paul Dana uh, has been tweeting out today some of his PFF grades, and he grades, like, way higher than any... Bengals defensive lineman from last year in the run game. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. like way higher, like five points higher than any the nearest nearest player. So you're obviously getting a really good run stuffer. Mm. Um, you're getting someone with a bit of versatility. You can rush the quarterback, but that's not his 
primary uh, uh, quality, uh, and apparently he's amazing on special teams as well. So I think sounds like a good player to me. I mean, I think that's a bit of a sneaky yeah, good win. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you pardon the pun there, <laughs> <laughs> mate, that's quite good for you. Did you have that lined up? I didn't. That you just didn't. off the top of my it's head. A good win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cheers, <laughs> mate. That's why the listeners tune in. That's, that's, that's you know you don't the, get that on locked on Bengals. It's it's gold. You don't it's get absolute that Bengals, Bengals gold. Or the BVP. It? You don't get it. No, no. There's probably a reason why for that, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think he's a good signing. Yeah, no, but, absolutely. But you know what this means, though, don't you? Tell me. It means that Michael Johnson's probably gone. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's a good point. Because he does the same sort of thing, run stopper. Michael Johnson never really a huge threat in the past go anymore, at least, since he's returned to Cincinnati. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good, really, when you've got a coordinator that comes in for another organisation that can bring players over. I mean, you see it a lot. I mean, you look at some of the, the ex-Bengals coaches. You know, you see... Um, Paulie G. Paulie G doing it over in Oakland, bringing over, I think he had Iloka over, didn't he? He had, you know, obviously brought birth. And Gorgeous George has just signed for Dallas. Oh, he's done for Dallas. Mm. Who, who's he have? There's another Bengals geezer that's gone over to see Paulie G. Has he? Have they? It might have been Iloka visited there or something like that. They yeah, I think they did, it. yeah. Yeah, well, but he did. did. You know, you see it a lot. So, I mean, we've Anna Rumi saying, you know, let's get this guy in. You've got to hope that he knows he's got a good work ethic. He's someone he wants to continue working with. It's a positive thing. And I think I think sometimes, you know, Twitter can be a very interesting tool to see what people say about players, you know. I mean, you look at us on Twitter, you know, with the Cedric he's you know, to Jacksonville. If you're a Jags fan and you don't know much about Boye, he was a first-round <laughs> pick. You could be terrified. No, I know, but if you, if you were like, well, this guy's a first-round pick. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. He's played, if you look at him, he's played some games. You know, if we, well, we brought in a first-round pick that played, you know, started probably, boy, he must have started about 16, 18 games. Yeah. I'd be there's potential there. I'd be excited about it. You go and have a look at Twitter, every Bengals fan, no one's got a good word to say about the game. Well, I, th- I think you, uh, as fans of a particular team, we're the Bengals, so we use that as an example. We follow fellow Bengals fans, we follow Bengals news sources, yeah. and it's very easy to, to stay in your own Bengals bubble. Yeah, And it'll be the same for the Jags, it'll be the same for the, the Vikings, it'll be the same for the Chiefs, it'll be the same for the 49ers. Whatever team you support, you're going to follow yeah. your people, right? 100%. So, like you say, if if you sign a an, a, a first an ex first round pick who's played in the league for three years, mm. um, who's got all this experience, you'll be like, "What a great signing!" Yeah, great signing. And then you look at Twitter, and then you look <laughs> at some of the PFF grades, and you kind of think, "Oh, okay, then." Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but with Kerry Wynn, as I say, a lot of Giants fans are. Unhappy with him going elsewhere. Yeah. No, which is good for us. Which is great for us, you know what I mean? So I'm um, gonna go off on a tangent. Quick uh, uh, 30 seconds. Listen, tangent. now's the time to go and make a cup of no, tea. No, listen, this is interesting. Do you not think it's mad? And if anyone steals this idea of me, I can see Dad is stealing it from me. Right. I can see him stealing it. Peter Dad's well there, yeah. Why go on. is there not the equivalent of PFF in English football? That's a really good question. Why would you not just say it's easier as well? You could, you know, watch them on the Born Grade. I mean, the, I don't know the formula, but you. I feel like people at like Sky Sports News and all the, you know, the papers would have a field day because you know how they do it. Like, oh, they rate someone five out of ten, six out of ten, seven out of ten, maybe an eight out of ten if someone has an absolute barnstormer, maybe a four if it's the worst performance. But it's such a like small grading scale. And they don't do it for every game, and there's no record kept of averages. If you had like a PFF thing in the Premier League, can you imagine how well that would go down? Well, it is interesting because I often, 
I've been following a little bit of FC Cincinnati. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible not to, really, because yeah, they're doing yeah. so well. And they're really big on even applying the stats to the soccer. The soccer. You know, like assists and <laughs> blah, 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 and yeah, stuff yeah. that we don't... Re- I think fo- our football is a lot more... Uh, visceral. It's a lot more quicker. Visceral. It's like it's it's thrusting at these new words. It's 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 much rawer. It's like you know you don't really care who's passed that ball and how many times. Do you know what I mean? It's all about sticking a ball in the back of the net, (laughs) isn't it? Hey. Yeah, true, but you know what I mean. Like people, I agree for that sort of. But even you look at the PFF, you look at PFF, and when it first came out, it was laughed at. But I remember it coming out, and people were like. And now they've got it on like. Sorry, what are they doing? People are like, huh. Do you know what <laughs> That's I mean? not even a laugh. <laughs> That's what, people are just a bit dismissive of it, laughing at it. And now you've got the TV networks using it. You know, you've yeah. got people using it as like gospel for how good players are. Immediately you get a guy in free agency, you're like, what's his PFF grade? You know, and I just am shocked because in English football as well, you have games like Football Manager where you grade people out of these things and everyone loves them. And weirdly, there's no American football equivalent of that. Where you're not playing as mad and you like statistically <coughs> analysing it. Yeah. So it's a weird crossover. I mean, I feel like if there was an American football manager out there and it was like drafting, it was all around analytics and watching tape, I'd be out there buying it. I know a lot of other geezers would be out there buying it. And vice versa, you know, if you had that level of detail in football games and you could say, right, you know, we've got um James Milner's playing at a five point seven and you know, you've yeah, got yeah, yeah. You, you know, you've got Rich Harlison playing at a six point four. People, like really high level details after each game. People love it. I think there is there is probably some sort of stats thing Op- for for like is Opta, isn't it? Opta there's one and then there's that Castrol used to do one for a while. Right. But, but I'm sure really there's the a perfect one for pit coaches. You know, I'm sure there's there must there be someone. Dadders will probably, yeah, Pete Dadswell. If you don't know Pete Dadswell, he's a Bengals UK follower. You'll hear from him later, and he's a, I think he's a scout for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, he is. He? Yeah, yeah. Says a lot for how they're doing in the league at the moment. <laughs> oh, no, only joking, yeah, Pete. Yeah. Only joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's an interesting point. But I do see the BBC when in their match reports on their website including a lot more stats than they used to in yeah. their match reports. So yeah, yeah. it's sort of, you know, that convergence between... Because American sports have always been, like, Massively. super stats-heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I actually kind of quite yeah. enjoyed it, because mm. you can sort of see a player's weaknesses and and strengths just by looking at a bunch of numbers, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, what would you call it if Nathan Palmer... Well, if someone's going to steal it, but he's got a patent in it, I? I need to get off this show right now and go patent the idea. All right, well, not not until you've uh, graded... Uh, we've also got... A Gr- Gronk's oh, retired. Wait. Yeah, I know. And Jordy Good Nelson is retired as well. Gronk's a game-changer, isn't he? I mean, I always thought he was a bit obnoxious, but he, he was a complete animal, wasn't he? I remember when they were interviewing him at the Combine years ago and he was sort of catching some passes, I thought, God, that guy's massive, and he's just plucking these balls out of thin air. And what a career. I mean, just, you know, you first ballot Hall of Famer, changed the position, really. You start to see people like Travis Kelsey and, you yeah. know, some George of those Kittle players. I mean, you, you have to and Tyler t- Eifert, maybe. Yeah, you, you know, you saw Titans in the past, that you're Tony Gonzalez is, and Antonio Gates, incredible. But Gronkowski just changed, you know, changed that position. The amount of the yards he's racking up, almost completely uncoverable. And who do we take in the same year? Jermaine Gresham. Yeah. But, you know, that's hindsight. Took him ahead of Gronk as well, I believe. Yeah, and you know what? I can probably see why. 
His, his Gresham was always all right. He, he just had, was like a bit of a head scratcher when he, he was a bit, always a bit well, I always maintain, Yeah, I always maintain that physically he had, he had everything. Yeah, he did. Which is probably why they took him. Because he was a big geezer. He's hard to bring down. Yeah, amazing physique. Everything that you want in a tight end. Yeah. Um, but mentally, he just didn't quite have... You know, saying all that, he got to the Pro Bowl, I think, once, yeah. twice. He went even. to Arizona and he did okay, didn't he? Yeah. So he's not had a bad career. No. He, but he's, I mean, to be honest, anybody compared to Gronkowski is, yeah. you looks know. Looks a bit pedestrian, doesn't he? Looks a bit pedestrian, you know. So uh, uh, fair play to Gronk. I think he's been a real character in the NFL. And as you say, what a career. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jordy Nelson's retired as well. He's had yeah, a cracking yeah. career. Um, we've got the new rules as well. Oh, mate. Do you want to talk about that? Very or? quickly, because I think everyone will be talking about it. Mike Brown, Mike Brown the only geezer not voting for it. But, I mean, I, I'm, the funny thing is, is 31 teams have gone, yep. And all the reaction on Twitter from fans and pundits has been, why are they doing that? Yeah. I think it's such a horrible overreaction to that Saints game. Yeah. I just think the last thing you want is slowing the game down. It's a bit like VAR and football. I'm not a huge fan of that. Slowing it down, making it more complicated, mm. making it a little bit more controversial. And I think... Video replay is a flawed system in some respects. I mean, it you know in slow motion when you see when you see these guys running at the speeds they're running at with like little marginal contact. Video replay can't always articulate exactly that motion and the movement and really like tell the full story. And I just think you know there's going to be issues around inconsistency, inconsistency even with it in play. You yeah. know, one week you've got it on tape and someone's throwing a flag. One week they're not. It's going to just take. The initial excitement out of the game, you know, you get a flag go down, everyone's going up for it, and then you've got always got that kind of like thing. You can't really celebrate because you know they could challenge it, and the challenge is going to take five minutes, and then you got to go for a piss and come back. And do you know what I mean? It just takes that initial level of excitement out of the game when you constantly got to, you know, think, oh god, here we go, there's going to be a challenge flag, and that it just takes a long time. And what do you think? I'm I really don't know. I mean. I don't know what to think. I agree with you in some respects, but then again, I think, you know, if there's some huge calls that have been missed, then it needs to happen. But then how do you make it happen so it minimises the impact on the game and the flow of the game? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It feels a bit reactionary um, just because the Saints kicked up a fuss. Um, but then again, again, on the, on the flip side, you can't blame them because they could well have been going to the Super Bowl if... That call had been made. But, but at what point? At what point do like you know say next this year right? The Bengals are on the goal line at the one right, driving. It's like two seconds left on the clock to get to the Super Bowl right, and someone on the offensive line flinches, but they don't flinch. The, the line judge thinks he's seen someone flinch and he hasn't. No one's moved. Yeah, and they call full start and it runs the clock off right, and the game's over. You can't review that. So we could be sat there saying, you've got to be joking. We're on the one. We could have sneaked it into the end zone to win the game. Even more black and white hmm. than that pass interference penalty. And they can't review that. So at what point are you just going to say, well, every play is reviewable? And then it just becomes a complete mess because it's double standards. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with that. And um, it's always the case, well, if you do, like as you say, if you, do, if you introduce reviews for one aspect of the game, you've got to do it for others. And then where do you stop? And where do you... St- you know, it's maybe maybe you do it. You can review anything, but you get one review a game. That's it. And once it's used, it's it's all done. Yeah, which is kind of what they have already. And they got two though, and you yeah, get like one I don't per know half and stuff. It's I just think a lot. I think 
I think they need to before it becomes workable. They perhaps need to modify it a little bit, yeah. and it will be modified as the years go by. But mm. we'll see. Anyway, um, we're going to go first to our special guest because it's quite a long interview, um, and we'll come back. and uh, And I say we because this is we try and record our interviews as live and embed them within the show. But um, I spoke to Mo on my own today because uh, Mo was at this time, our time of recording. He's actually on air in Cincinnati. So uh, this is me talking to our special guest. And joining us on the line this week is Cincinnati broad- radio broadcasting titan. Uh, you can find him on ESPN 1530, 700 WLW, ESPN Radio. Fox Sports Ohio, and he writes for The Athletic as well. It's Mo Egger, everybody, making his second appearance on this podcast. Mo, how you doing? Oh, it's been a while, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's been too long, man. How have you been? I am uh, I am really, really well. Really well. Uh, I'd be better if I thought the Bengals were better than they were last year, but, but nonetheless, pretty good. <laughs> okay, I've got a sense where this conversation is going to be going over the next 10 minutes or so. <laughs> First, I want to start off on a positive because I know that you're a huge baseball fan and we've seen FC Cincinnati take the city by storm and they're doing fantastically well in the, their first few games in the MLS and uh, they're getting enormous crowds and the atmosphere around that club and the movement seems to be really positive and fantastic. The Reds have made some really big moves uh, this off-season and it's opening day on this Thursday. We're recording this on the Wednesday, so tomorrow is opening day of the baseball season. Describe for me your feelings. I know this is a football podcast, but I want to get a sense of what it's like in Cincinnati uh, on opening day it's the best day of the year okay. i mean whether whether you love baseball like baseball or you're not a sports fan i mean it's it to me it's it's the biggest celebration we have you know there's there's obviously there's 30 major league baseball teams um in north america one of them is in in canada and toronto and and opening day is significant everywhere but i i genuinely believe that it's a, a more special day here than than anywhere else. It, the city shuts down for a day, right? And they play the game during the afternoon, and so you know a lot of people take off work. Uh, there's a, a parade that goes through the city, and it, it really is sort of a citywide celebration of the Reds, of Reds history, of, of, of I think the beginning of of warmer weather. I mean, it, it is. I've said to people in the United States, you know, look, everybody, the baseball season opens everywhere where there's a team, but there's really only one city that does opening day, and I've encouraged people to come to Cincinnati and just check it out, and look, there's there's obviously a finite number of, of tickets that they sell to the game. Uh, the, the ballpark the Reds play in seats about 43,000 people, but uh, people who uh, aren't going to go to the game enjoy the day nonetheless it is it really is our biggest holiday i think uh it's the one day on the sports calendar where everybody shares great optimism and enthusiasm for the team even if deep down inside we know they're not going to be that good it, it, it there's there's nothing like it i mean you, you have to experience it firsthand um and and i i really do think it's it's the the one day a year that kind of separates cincinnati from pretty much every other city in the country Wow. Um, 
Now, I've seen photographs of opening day before. And just to let uh, listeners know, if they haven't been to Cincinnati before, there's a, there's a, st- a short strip uh, on the banks of the Ohio River that kind of connects Great American Ballpark to Paul Brown Stadium. It's called The Banks. And uh, our friend uh, Jim Mooring, who owns the Holy Grail Bar, that's in that little strip of uh, a little street there. And, it, and it's just rammed full of people, isn't it? Well, yeah, on, on opening day, it's, you know, we, we do a radio show there that starts seven hours before the baseball game begins and maybe an hour into our show. You can't get in. Uh, but but it's not just the bar. They kind of shut down the street. They mm-hmm. have a huge uh, block party that's put on by the, the charitable arm of the Cincinnati Reds. A lot of the other businesses get involved down there. Um, the party extends into northern Kentucky, Covington, right. Newport, and, and it really is. I mean, it's it's kind of a one-day-a-year where um, everybody's going to meet downtown. Everybody's going to meet near the ballpark. Not everybody's going to be able to go to the game, but it, it's it's a... Uh, it's a special day, and it's a more special day when there's optimism for the team, which there's at least a, a little bit more this year compared to the last four or five years. Okay, uh, let me put you on the spot. So you're, you're a bit more positive this year than previous years, right? Because they've actually gone out and made some moves and signed some players and actually tried, on the outside looking in, tried to do something to arrest their perpetual awfulness, right? Yeah, I say this about sports teams all the time. Uh, you know, either be good or be interesting, and and hopefully you're both. But you got to be one or the other. And quite frankly, the Reds over the last couple of years haven't been all that interesting. I think what they've done this off season um, certainly opens up the range of possibilities for this team. On on the the far end of of the the spectrum would be you know highly optimistic fans who believe this team can be really really good. I'm I'm not among them. Uh, on the opposite uh, range of the spectrum would be those who don't think this team is going to be very good at all. I, I, I'm certainly not among those folks. I think the truth is is pretty much right in the middle. But if if you kind of understand how baseball works, and and that's a, a you know a conversation that would probably <laughs> right, take right. up more time than you're willing to spend, um, they have a number of guys that they've acquired uh, since last season who. Um, are not guaranteed to be here next year. And, you know, it's so it's, they have a lot of guys who are, you know, maybe playing their only seasons as members of, of Cincinnati Reds, but they have a lot to prove. And there's also the possibility the Reds could trade those guys and get younger players that might make them good down the long haul. But they have, as I think it's, it's been a long time since they were actually good. You'd have to go back to 2013. I don't think this team is as good as that one. But I certainly think they're better than anything they have fielded over the last five years. And even if they're not great, I think they're going to be interesting, which, as a fan, uh, it certainly beats the alternative. And as a talk show host, when a team's uninteresting, i got nothing to talk about. I think this team will give me a lot to talk about this year. Okay, that seems like a good point to segue to the team. (laughs) Mo, let's take a little stroll down the banks. Uh, we, We kind of walked through the crowds and the positivity of the Reds. We've just passed some FC Cincinnati fans and there looming large in front of us is Paul Brown Stadium. Now, um, where do you stand on the Bengals at the moment? Because 
you know, I think everybody was kind of excited when they, well, with a with a with a dash of of caution, I think, when they uh, hired Zach Taylor as head coach, uh, they seemed to be kind of thinking that this is the time to actually change things. A, a clean broom, a root and branch change throughout the organisation. Um, where do you stand on the Bengals at the moment? Well, you know, we talked about either being good or being interesting. I think when you move on from a coach who had been there for the last 16 years, um, I don't think there could have been anything less interesting than bringing back Marvin Lewis to coach the same team. Hmm. Um, so you you have a new head coach, but, but not only that, a lot of inexperience. It took him a long time to assemble a coaching staff, and, and that's I'm not sure that that's going to end up being the worst thing in the world, but but it's certainly, you know, they were kind of behind the curve when you compared them to all the other teams. So I, I think that end of it is is really interesting to see what the new coaching staff can do, mm. and to just get a sense on the field during training camp, um, you know, with the team itself, and certainly in games, you know, what what the differences are between, you know, what we've come to expect over the last 16 years, and 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 whatever this coaching staff does now. I think, however. Um, to really kind of, you know, put your finger on, well, how much better could they be this year? I would love to be able to tell you with more certainty that they're going to be much better. But unfortunately, uh, this team's philosophy when it comes to free agency has mirrored that of pretty much every other year of its existence, at least in the free agency era. I don't think they've made their team much better at all from what they were at the end of last season. They still can, um, you know. They're, they they can still make improvements in the draft, but put them in a position to be better. But I, I guess kind of where I am with this team right now is, I have a hard time believing they can contend for a championship. And and the dynamic of the NFL right now. And let me get this out of the way. I've been a big Andy Dalton proponent, but but the dynamic of the NFL right now is, you've got a lot of teams that are enjoying great roster flexibility because they have younger quarterbacks. Uh, playing under pretty inexpensive rookie contracts. The Bengals don't have one of those guys. They have a QB that's limited, and his contract is going to expire in two years, and you know, looming is a decision about what to do with him long-term. Uh, meanwhile, there's been a great hesitancy to be aggressive in free agency and making trades by you know uh, making the roster better doing that. They've got some established players that I don't think are going to be here when the team is ready to actually contend for a title again and so i've kind of made the case you know here in cincinnati that it might make sense to kind of bag the season now that doesn't mean i think the bengals should lose intentionally or try to throw games but i i do think you kind of gauge where they are in relation to the rest of the league the rest of the conference um uh, where they are in relation to the cleveland browns and even the Steelers and ravens and and i think you have to be realistic is this team going to win something substantial this year Maybe, and, and I certainly hope they do, but I think the, the most educated guess would say probably not. So if you're not going to win this year, you know, why not set yourself up for a chance to, to maybe win as soon as possible down the road? Rebuilds in the NFL don't have to take very long. The Cleveland Browns are a prime example of that. Fifteen months ago, they were the biggest laughing stock in sports, and now you know, they're one of the hottest commodities in the National Football League. And so... I think if you started to build your team around younger talent, I think if you started to maybe try to get draft choices or younger players in exchange for some of your more established stars, I think if you tried to figure out a way to best ensure your chances of getting a younger quarterback that you don't have to pay as much, 
I think all of that could ultimately pay off down the road. I think that the payoff for this team this year is limited. I think they could make the playoffs. Uh, I certainly don't think they're going to be a terrible team because I think Andy Dalton kind of prevents you from bottoming out. But I think they're in this spot right now where they're kind of stuck sort of in this large middle class of the NFL that that I don't think really helps you that much. And so if you're not really going to go for it, if you're not really going to take a major step towards winning now, then why not you know take the steps necessary to maybe ensure that you win down the road? Um, the Bengals aren't going to do that. They certainly aren't going to listen to me and never have and, and shouldn't. <laughs> but I, I just think if you I think if you're being realistic about it, then you know I think that's that's maybe a, a strategy that makes sense. And I didn't feel that way three weeks ago because I held out hope that maybe you know they would be uh, just a little bit more proactive in upgrading their roster. And, and to this to this standpoint, and they've made some some decent maneuvers, but but to this standpoint, to this point in the off season, that hasn't happened. Well, there's a lot to unpick there. Um, now, this whole idea—I'm not saying you use the word tank, but you use—I think what you're getting at is to to look at free agency and roster building in a more creative way, right? Because most fans over here that we speak to hate the idea of tanking. They just can't. It just goes against every sporting. Uh, genome of dna in their body do you know what i mean it's it's not that's not something that we would ever consider doing but um but when you're talking about someone let's just say andy dalton because we we always get questions from this fan base about andy dalton and Mm -hmm. it seems to be split right down the middle um people love andy dalton and still think the team can win with andy dalton uh people like me think he's a decent quarterback but isn't quite good enough to kind of carry the team. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and someone like AJ Green, who's now in his 30s, who's still a fantastic player. Uh, he's a hero to many of us over here. He conducts himself in a really first-class manner, uh, especially when you look at some of the other wide receivers in the league who've recently been traded to the West Coast, for instance. Um, um, so would you be a proponent of, of kind of making those really tough roster decisions and I'm using Andy Dalton because his contract's coming up and AJ Green because his contract's coming up and he's in his 30s as examples well you know, I, I think they're, they're they're kind of separate issues to an extent you know I mean with with AJ Green um, his contract status he can walk at the end of this year and and I look at this more from his standpoint than I do with Andy, where if I'm A.J. Green, uh, I've had a a remarkable career, but I'm probably closer to the end of it than I am the beginning of it. Um, Am I going to win now, here? Am I going to win while I'm in my, whatever's remaining in my prime years while I'm in Cincinnati, or do I maybe take a stab at playing with a quarterback who might be better, a team that might be better, um, uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's going to be really interesting and, and worth following. Uh, on many levels, you hope A.J. Green stays. And, you know, I think to his credit, he's one of those guys that I don't think is going to prioritize being the highest paid wide receiver or, you know, resetting the market for that position. And so I, I think you can kind of go back and forth on that. I, I, I think what's interest- what would be interesting about him would be if, you you figured out what the teams were that tried to get Antonio Brown and tried to get Odell Beckham Jr. and you see 
if they're still desperate enough for a high-end wide receiver, they would, they would give you something of value for A.J. Green. I'm not saying you get rid of him just for the sake of getting rid of him, and it's nothing against A.J. the player. In fact, in, in, in many respects, I'd love to see him get a chance to go be an important part of a really good team, a really good team. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it would be interesting to see if they did that. You know, a team that struck out on Brown or Beckham or maybe didn't want to have to deal with the drama but still needs a wide receiver – would you be interested in A.J. Green, and will you give me something of value for him? If that doesn't happen, I'll give the Bengals credit for this, and there have been exceptions. For the most part, um, they have done a pretty good job of keeping their best guys here under contractual terms that make sense. Mm-hmm. And so my guess is that's going to happen with A.J. Green. And they've done that the overwhelming majority of the time. I think, obviously, there have been exceptions. Andrew Whitworth stands out. You know, the two wide receivers they like get away might stand out. But for the most part, there's a, a longer list of guys that they've been able to keep and not overpay than guys who have gotten away. And so my guess is that's going to happen with A.J. Green. The, the Dalton thing, you know, again, if you look at it from his standpoint, um, he signed a contract in 2014 that was really a team-friendly deal, extraordinarily mm-hmm. team-friendly. Yeah. It's made him, I think last year he was the 21st or 22nd highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I think he's better than the 21st or 22nd highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It's also allowed the Bengals to move on from him at any point while really not paying all that much. And yet if you're Andy Dalton, you're looking around the National Football League and and you see guys who aren't as good as you or certainly not better than you getting either fully guaranteed deals or more money. Kirk Cousins is not markedly better than Andy Dalton. He got a fully guaranteed contract. Nick Foles is not markedly better than Andy Dalton. I think Nick Foles is basically the same guy as Andy Dalton. Yeah. Uh, he got a fully guaranteed contract. So if you're Andy Dalton, you're kind of looking at this going, man, you know what? I didn't hit free agency before because I signed a long-term deal, and it was a team-friendly deal. So you know what? Number one, the days of me signing contracts where I'm not guaranteed anything are over. Number two, maybe there's something for me out there in free agency that I can't get in Cincinnati. If you're the Bengals you're going to kind of arrive at the intersection of two things that you value. Andy brings great stability, consistency. You are probably never going to be a bad team as long as he's your quarterback. At the same time, they don't overpay, and that's to their credit. So, you know, what What do you do? Do you, do you value Andy's consistency so much that you're finally willing to overpay someone? Or do you hate the idea of overpaying a quarterback who's not great so much that you let a good one get away? And I think that's really interesting. I think that dynamic, and I've said this for a year, I think it's the most interesting dynamic facing this team right now. And I also think in the run-up to that, you got to start thinking about maybe, maybe life without Andy Dalton. Mm. Maybe that involves somebody in the draft this year. Maybe that involves moving on from Andy and cutting him loose. And I don't think there's a prayer the Bengals will do that, but you kind of follow the example set by the Miami Dolphins where they looked at Ryan Tannehill and said, Look, good player, we're not winning with him now, and we're not interested in paying him a lot of money down the road, and yeah. so we're going to move on. They don't like the word tanking, and, and when I use that word, I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that the Bengals do anything to violate the integrity of the game. I'm not saying the Bengals should play with 10 players on offense or take a knee every time they get the ball or let the other team score, but I think strategically moving on from guys that, will probably help you win more than you should if you really want to you know, hit the reset button, specifically at quarterback. And 
looming over the next couple of years are some really good college quarterbacks that a lot of teams are going to want to get. I think you could do worse than putting yourself in a position to get one of those two guys over the course of the next two off-seasons. Yeah, I think you've absolutely nailed it. It is the most interesting question that uh, the, the team is facing, I think. Um, they, As you say, I mean, Zach Taylor's been coming out and saying he's and is his guy for the foreseeable future, which, I mean, obviously he's going to say that at the moment, but... Um, well, and I, and, I don't bl- I don't blame Zach Taylor for looking at Andy Dalton going, I want that to be my guy. Look, yeah. If you're Zach Taylor, what are you trying to do? You're trying to win as many games as possible, as soon as possible. You're a first-time head coach that's built up no equity, yeah. and while the Bengals have a, a pretty established pattern of patience with their head coaches, any head coach is going to you know, want their best chance for short-term success, yeah. and Dalton represents that, so... I certainly wouldn't blame Zach Taylor for saying, look, year one, I want to coach Andy Dalton instead of some unknown QB. I think from a big picture standpoint, though, that's where the franchise should step in and say, for the overall health of our franchise, maybe it makes sense to kind of look down the road at what our possibilities could be at quarterback and see how Andy Dalton fits in. Um, I'm sure our listeners will want to chirp in uh, with in that discussion because it's a fantastic discussion. That's one of the reasons why I think we love this sport because of the complexity of roster building, the strategic moves that teams make, the the kind of the tough decisions they teams have to front offices have to make when they you know when they think about trading away big stars to accrue more draft picks for the following year or indeed the, the same year. But before I let you go, Mo, you've been fantastic as ever. Um, I just want to get your thoughts real quick on the draft. Where do you, I mean, the Bengals are in line if they stay at 11 and it's likely they will, I think. Um, uh, they're going to get a fantastic player. Um, who? Where do you see them going in that first round? Well, I think in an ideal world, they draft uh, one of the best linebackers in the draft. And I don't do things like put together mock drafts, but I know you've had Paul Daner Jr. on your show before. He did a mock draft this week uh, where he had them taking a linebacker out of uh, the University of Michigan named uh, Devin Bush. Yes. There's uh, another linebacker named Devin White from LSU. And I chatted with Paul on the air yesterday about, well, you know, what if what if both of those guys are gone? What are the Bengals going to do with the 11th overall pick? And is there a chance they could trade into the top 10 of the draft to give themselves a better chance at getting one of those linebackers? And he seemed to dismiss that idea, saying, look, you could still get a really good player at that position, even if it's not at linebacker. And that's fine. But at that position, they've ignored it in free agency. Um, it's been a position that, you know, you have to go back to 2008. That was the last time the Bengals drafted a linebacker in the first round, and unfortunately Keith Rivers just was not that good. Mm. Uh, You have to go back to 2009 to find the last time the Bengals drafted a linebacker in the second round, and I think the fact that they've never really prioritized that that position, either in the draft or in free agency, has kind of created this huge gaping hole in the middle of the defense that's been there for years, and so if if you didn't, if you weren't aggressive in getting a linebacker in free agency, and you're not willing to be aggressive in the draft with the 11th overall pick to ensure that you get one of the best two linebackers, then can you really convince anybody that you're drastically better at that position? That, to me, this offseason is about that position. And then, look, they've got to get better on the offensive line. I think it would make sense at some point to, to maybe take a look at a quarterback in this draft. I don't think you can ever have enough cornerbacks. Mm. 
Uh, and I think they, they did a really good thing by getting Darquez Denard on the cheap. And so that certainly kind of plugs a hole there that you thought might open up in, uh, in free agency. Uh, to me, that this offseason is, is mainly about making that defense, which was terrible last year, and, and kind of reformatting it, making it more modern, making it uh, more athletic, uh, getting it deeper, um, making it more suited to, to handle today's modern offenses, slowing down what the Browns are going to throw at you, uh, being able to keep pace with the best teams in the AFC. They were woefully behind in being able to do that. And again, it comes back to the linebacker play. And here we are in late March, and the draft is still about a month away, but here we are in late March, and they really haven't done anything to make that position better. So you better hope at the 11th overall pick that one of the best two linebackers in the draft is there. If not, it's going to be really hard to call this offseason a success. Yeah, I think uh, most fans over here want one of the Devins. It, I don't think they care at the moment, really. But um, uh, before I go, just one last point. Uh, we saw you and hung out with you in London uh, three years ago, and obviously the Bengals are back this year. Um, will you be over again? My, my plan is to be over again. I'm uh, certainly excited about it. Had a blast in uh, 2015. Um, you know, we, my, my friends and I have talked about the fact that we would basically do the same exact trip all over again. And so, um, I might step outside of downtown London a little bit more than I did and kind of see, you know, other parts of the city, but yeah, I plan on being back. London was, uh, was great to us. Uh, great host of the game, Wembley stadium. That experience was fantastic. And it was a lot of fun to meet so many, not only so many, you know, uh, UK based Bengals fans, but UK based NFL fans and listening to them talk about how they consume the sport and, uh, how they watch games and, you know, what weird hours they keep to be able to keep up with their favorite team. <laughs> and it was also a lot of fun explaining to fans sitting in front of us who had never been to an NFL game before. When the game went to overtime, because that was the Bengals-Redskins tie, when the yeah, game went yeah, to yeah. overtime and they started to get up to leave, and I said, hey, look, this isn't soccer. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> we're, we're not going to have a tie. You don't have to leave. And then the game still ended in the tie, and they looked at me like I had defrauded them. Right. So uh, it was a blast in 2015, or 2016, right? Yeah, yeah, 2016, yeah 2016. It was a blast in 2016, and, and I'm looking forward to doing it again later here in uh, 2019. Well, I can't uh, wait to share a part with you again, Mo. And as ever, it's always a treat to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time and enjoy opening day tomorrow, mate. All right, Paul. Thanks, man. So there you go. Uh, that's Mo Egger, or that was Mo Egger from uh, various outlets. Um, and you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Mo Egger1530. And he said some very interesting things. Oh, he's not pulling any punches, is he? No, he's not. And I. I so different to Paul Dana, so different in his opinion. But Paul was very much of the opinion of we can win now. Like I really do think there's enough, and, he's, and he would, yeah. he would be able to say, no, I reckon we're probably like a four or five win team. So it's interesting. Two people very close to the team do a lot yeah. of work around the team that perceive the team in a completely different light. Well, yeah, I mean, I think probably Paul has the same misgivings as Mo yeah, underneath true, it true. all, but. Uh, Mo said some very interesting things about roster building there and this whole idea of, you know, the Bengals not being, well, not having this kind of modern approach of of um, being ruthless in ter- and aggressive in terms of roster building, you know. You know, why, you know, he used the example of Ryan Tannehill there, who's, who's a, 
an average, slightly above average quarterback on his day. Mm. The Dolphins decided they weren't or couldn't win with him, so they're going to ship him out. Yeah. Now, Dalton's in the same kind of league as Tannehill. Although, he's better. Oh, he's better than Tannehill, yeah. for sure. And he's, I would argue he's better than Nick Foles. Um, yeah. I, I would also argue that he's better than Kirk Cousins. Uh, and those two, those two guys have, have got monster contracts, yeah. you know. But the point is with Tannehill, the, the, the Dolphins were like, no, he's not gonna, we're not going to win with him. So we're going to get him out the door. Um, they didn't get too much from him. But also what they did do, uh, they got obviously uh, Fitzpatrick in. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to get a rookie in who doesn't command too much money. And that seems to be the way the, qu- the quarterback situation is going yeah. in the NFL. Uh, freeing up loads of cap space by drafting a rookie quarterback and using the money elsewhere. That's one way yeah. of of turning around your team quite quickly. I think people with, you know, the coaching uh, style changes last year and the, sort of the year before a little bit with Sean McVay and, the, you know, the, the aggression, that theme has been seen throughout the NFL from roster building to play calling to challenges to going for it, all the whole thing feels very aggressive. Mm. And I think with the roster building side of things, teams, you know, the talk of tanking has never been more rife. Just being almost like overly ridiculously aggressive to get the next, you know, mm. tank for tour and people like that, you know, and it, people are fascinated by this franchise quarterback idea and like p- taking that kind of baseball approach of you know getting rid of everyone and then trying to get all the draft picks and draft it's it, there's definitely a transition but it doesn't mean it's right hmm. it's a change in philosophy and it's a change in thinking but it doesn't mean it's right it doesn't mean that sensibly building a roster and you know picking and choosing and being quite conservative can't win you a super bowl it doesn't have to be you know we don't think we're a 10 out of 10 we might be a 6 or a 7 so let's sh- ship it all back in and try and get a 10 every time you know you can build that 6 or 7 into maybe an 8 have a good run of luck play well as a team i mean you look at teams in the english soccer like leicester city you know, that put together a fantastic team, had a great year, won the league. I don't want to use too many like cross sport comparisons, but you just feel the Bengals, you get a couple of really good we have a really good draft this year and we brought in some really good free agents. So, you know, we've done okay in the free agency market, perhaps not fantastic. You're every year you're only a couple of players away if it, if the cookie crumbles the right way with injuries, with, you know, incidences in games that just go for you. And I think the whole narrative about blowing it up and starting again it doesn't work for a lot of teams either. Mm. I mean, you look at the Jags going and bringing in Nick Foles. I mean, that's a real risky sort of. You know, the Jags have like a couple of years going and threw money at everyone out there. And well, that's what you mo- know, that's got the point. First was round most... pick with Bortles. He was a first round pick, yeah. and it doesn't work out. And then a couple of years later, you got egg on your face. Well, that's what Mo was saying. You know, Dalton is a perfectly good quarterback. Yeah. So the choice is for the Bengals at the moment. We did have a question. Uh, from Michael McGarren at Medwriter Mike. Should, That's a solid handle. Should we draft a possible successor to Andy this year? Now, and I mentioned, you know, the situ- the Dalton situation has to be addressed in the next couple yeah. of years, whether that's getting shot of him yeah. or signing him up to a new contract. That's mm. the. But what they do know with Andy Dalton, as Mo said, he can win games and has won games. Absolutely. It's just a case of whether he's going to take you to the promised land or not. Yeah. Um, and with a conservative front office like the Bengals, as we all know, 
they're likely to stay with a guy who they know that they trust mm. and who has actually shown that he can win games. But you look at like I don't want to go into this debate too much. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Mm. And he looked unbelievable down the stretch of a good team around him. Colin Kaepernick, who can't find a job in the NFL now, we're not going to go into that, led his team to a Super Bowl, replacing Alex Smith, you know, in the same year. There's been various, you know, Blake Bortles, the year before, took the Jags past the Steelers, you know, I think to the AFC title game. You can win with quarterbacks that are worse than Dalton. I mean, right now, Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than... Um, Flacco, then Kaepernick, then Bortles, all the players that have gone, you know, far further that are not, you know, a similar age or younger than him. So my argument is that you look at that offense of players that are still there, players well within their prime, Pro Bowl players, AJ Green, Joe Mixon on the fringes of being a Pro Bowler, Tyler Eifert, Pro Bowl potential player, you know, Tyler Boyd, one of the best number two wide receivers out there. There's talent on that team, and I just think it's a little bit of a discredit. And I think we're probably in a limbo, but I do think it's a bit of a discredit to say we're just going to sack the whole thing off, you know, try and get as many picks as we can and hope for the best because you need more than one or two drafts really to build a whole nucleus, to get a quarterback in, to get an elite playmaker you know, an elite skillman like Green on your team. They don't just come around everything. I mean, AJ Green was probably the best player in that draft, you know, picked four overall. Then players just aren't lurking around in the draft. And he's got, you know, Green's still got four or five years in him if he's if he's healthy. Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. I mean, stat came out the other day. Dunlap's had, I think, more hits on almost anyone than any other defensive lineman in the last seven or eight years. I mean, there's some really talented players and we were all saying, you know, last year the coaches aren't good enough, the coaches aren't good enough. Let the new coaches get more out of these guys. You know, we had a really bad run of injuries last year. Say we don't have any bad run of injuries this year. Say the coaching's better, the play calling's more aggressive. You know, maybe we, instead of winning six, seven, eight games, win 10 or 11. Which is, you know, that, that gets you deep. <laughs> good, good rant. Yeah, a bit of a rant. A bit of a rant. Rant. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't disagree, and I, I mentioned it before. We're um, in a limbo stage. We are a little bit, um, but I think with free agency, they've, they've had, as you mentioned, they've had a solid free agency after the Bobby Hart debacle. Uh, they've had a solid free agency, I think. Yeah, they've filled some holes. They can now attack the draft. They, they've. It's pretty obvious what they're going to go for in the draft, go, or go, at least go after in the draft, and that's Mr. Bush or Mr. White. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but with with Dalton, as I say, I think he's he's epitomised the Bengals over the past eight years or so. He's not an awful quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. He's also not a brilliant quarterback either. Yeah. So he's you know he's had moments of being a top ten quarterback. Yeah. He's had moments of being somewhere in the twenties. You know. So it's it's somewhere in between. And that has epitomised the Bengals, that, that kind of inconsistency. And also, the, it makes it very difficult to quantify or make a decision either way. Because yeah. if, you, if you've if you got a really terrible quarterback on your team, you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's no mucking about. Yeah. If you've got a really good quarterback, you know what to do. You sign him and you pay him and you keep him for as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. But when you've got somewhere in the, someone in, who's somewhere in the middle, mm. it makes it very difficult to, to yeah. see... What to do next? Yeah, I agree. Um, Dalton has just not benefited as well for the last two seasons, which is you know in the NFL you get judged on what have you done for me recently. 
He's had two bad offensive lines. Mm. I mean, the year before last was a, just a really poor. Okay, year. okay, let's stop there. Let's stop there, and let's move on and and start our positional. Yeah, okay. Because we're talking about position groups. Yeah, and, I like uh, that. Okay, so let's start with the offensive line as it is at the moment. Okay, so read out the starters to me. We this, what I think the starters, and I think most people will think, is it's going to be Cordy Glenn. Yeah. Clint Bowling. Yeah. Billy Price. Yeah. John Miller. Yeah. And Bobby Hart. Yeah. Okay. Let's grade zero, the worst possible player in the NFL. Five right. is an average starter, just pure average. Yeah. Ten is, is just, like ridiculous. Just like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Ten is just an absolute beaut. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go five out of ten. Five out of ten for the lime. Yeah. See, the left side of the line's pretty hard, isn't it? Well, it can be. Glenn I, and Bowling, I, I like. Think, I think Cordy Glenn can play better. I'd probably go with you a five, to be honest. Four and a half. All right. I think Miller's probably a four or five, maybe a five. I think Miller's... An, well, okay, I think Cordy Glenn can play better. Yeah. I think he was better than he was last year. He's a seven, Cordy Glenn. Absolutely. I mean, he was knocking on the Pro Bowl yeah. door a few seasons ago. Six or ago. A seven for Glenn. You know what you get with Clint Bowling? Solid six with Bowling, isn't it? Billy Price... We need him to step up. No, moment. I disagree. I think I think he had some issues last year, but he showed some promise. Yeah. Um, but he does need to step up, and hopefully now with a full preseason under his belt. Because yeah. remember, he he came into the team injured straight true, away. True, true, true. Uh, I think John Miller is an upgrade over Alex Redmond. I really yeah, do. Yeah, no, I take that. So I'm happy with that signing. Bobby Hart. Three. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just hope that. Uh, Jim Top Bantz Turner can get some sort of extra out of him. Do you know what? I hope, like, he ta- I hope he does. I Absolutely. hope all of us fans are like fools and Bobby Hart's pro bowler. It's not going to happen, but I, I take your point. I yeah. would love Bobby Hart to, or would love instead of us calling him Bobby Falstart Hart next year. I want to call him Bobby Pro Bowl Hart. Bobby Golden oh, Hart. Golden, Golden Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Well, why not? I'm gonna, if there's any odds out there, I'm going to Bobby Hart Pro Bowl season. Couple of, well, it's not going to happen. But, um, what do you reckon the odds you get? 20 to 1? More? Yeah. About 100 to 1? Any bookmakers out there, let's that request the odds. Yeah, what's Phil Houghton when you need him? <laughs> um, Phil, get us some odds on that, son. Now, uh, depth-wise, we've got Trey Hopkins. Let's not do depth. It's too difficult, stuff like that. Well, we've got. let's just mention some names. We've got right. Trey Hopkins. We've yeah. got Alex Redman. We've got yeah. Christian Westerman. Yeah. We know Hopkins can plug in. At uh, at centre, if yeah. needed, and he did a really solid job last year. Actually, Westerman a lot of potential if you believe Joe Goodbury. Well, not just Joe. To be yeah. fair, you know, pretty much everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so you know, I hope that it's just that right hand side. We're talking about the same things now, which were at the start of this time last year. Mm. It's that right hand side of the line. Yeah, I think. And if if they can, like Zach Taylor was speaking in the. Um, the owners' meetings in Arizona uh, yesterday, and he was saying that, you know, they've watched the tape, they like what they see with Bobby Hart. Those pre-snap penalties can be ironed out, and they're confident that they can iron them out. So, the interesting thing I think the Bengals, uh, someone was saying this the other day, it could have been Jeff Hobson, um, someone like that, was saying the Bengals with Bobby Hart were basically in a situation where they didn't feel that there was anyone really on the open market that was actually going to be that much better or they could get within that range. Or even in the draft. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in the draft with tackles, it could take a couple of years for them to even bed in. Well, I think think they will take a tackle in the draft. Yeah. But I don't know whether they're going to take one particularly high. No. 
I reckon sort of rounds four or five that they, they yeah, that yeah. could hit the, the spot there, someone like a Mac, Mac Sharping or someone like that. Yeah. Okay, let's go into tight five ends. Five out of ten, though. We're both saying five, five out, out of ten. ten. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But there, there's room for improvement there, yeah. and their ceiling is actually about seven, I think. Six on seven. I'm six. going yeah. seven. Because, right. uh, as I say, I think, you know, Glenn can play better. Billy Price, if he steps up yeah, and, and makes his development, Miller's going to be better than Redmond. And Pro Bowl Hart. And Bobby Pro Bowl Hart. Come on. Oh, no, all Pro Hart. All Pro Hart. All right, let's not, let's not get too carried away. All right, tight ends. <laughs> yep. Eifert and Uzama. Uzama. I'm, I'm happy with those duo. Five. I, I see it's a five. I see it as a six at the moment. If Eifert's healthy the whole year, it probably is a six. If Eifert's healthy the whole year, it's going to be an eight. Uzama, to me, is a very average tight end and not much more. He's he's played He has played well at times, but I don't think he's a, he's in any way sort of a real starting calibre quality tight end. He's a good rotational player. Eifert, if he's healthy, probably a six or a seven, but he's just he's getting on a bit, Eifert, now. He's been around the league a while. He has had some injuries. Whether or not that means he's going to have any more... We don't know, but if he's healthy, it could be high. But I think based on what we know now, I'm going to stick with a five. Well, I like the idea of using Eifert creatively. I almost just like a fourth receiver, you know, in the slot, you know, kind of even out wide sometimes. Yeah. Patrolling that middle of the field. I think someone put out a stat out there uh, um, the other day saying that, um, you know, the amount of times uh, defences change as soon as Eifert is in the game. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, and, you know, up until that horrific injury last year, he was playing well. Mm. Dalton was playing well. The whole offence was clicking. So I think he's actually more influential to that offence. Just is weird to say, just by being on the field and lining up in different yeah. spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think we're going to draft, an, we will draft another. We have to. Because uh, Matt Lengel ain't going to cut it. No. Um, Kathleen Carter's not no. going to cut it. Um, I think we're going to sign another guy in the draft. Oh, sorry, draft another guy. I think certainly in the top three rounds we will. I do too. Him. And a lot of people have mocked TJ Hawkinson to us in the first round. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? But I, I do expect... Um, uh, I like uh, Uzamar. I think he's... I See, I can't say Uzamar. Uzama. Uzama. CJ Uzama. I think uh, we will draft another tight end, yeah, and quite high as well, because uh, I think we need to. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I'm giving it a six at the moment. Okay, but it could, again, there's a ceiling there, and it could get up to about an eight. Oh, bloody hell, you love a love a ceiling. Don't I you? do love a ceiling. Right, wide receivers. Um, so at the moment, if you're saying we're going to start three wide receivers, um, it's a and everyone's healthy. AJ Boyd and John Ross. Seven. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. John Ross is the f- massive question. He's mark. the enigma, isn't the enigma. he? He's, yeah, he. He's if a he big clicks, it's it's trouble. I tell you what, watch if the, out. If Zach Taylor can utilize John Ross in some sort of a package, in some sort of a way, where he could, like, a bit like a Tavon Austin type player or something, to open up the field to. Sp- Spread people around to make defenses on their toes a bit, even if he's not that productive, just to use him in that manner to free up for I Boyd. Absolutely and, agree. For Boyd and Green. And I which he will be. 
Mm. You know, Zach Taylor's going to be sat there. He'd have thought about it already. They're going to be thinking about that. If they're going to keep him, they're not going to trade him, which I still wouldn't rule out. Mm. Then I think it's a seven. If Green and Boyd, Green and Boyd might be one of the... You could argue Green and Boyd are the best duo in the NFL, honestly. With Antonio Brown and uh, Smith-Schuster uh, Smith being broken up, you'd have a battle on your hands to find a better duo when okay. healthy than... Green. I'm going to say a seven and a half. Well, you've got Thielen and Diggs, haven't you? Yeah, I think Green and Boyd arguably oh, could do it with them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong. It's just depth, isn't it, again? I, I'm, Beckham I, and Landry would have a word of us. Yeah, but I, I still think Jackson's going to take down Beckham. Yeah. And I still think Denard's going to have Landry in his pocket. <laughs> anyway. Um, what are you saying? Seven and a half from me. I'm going to se- go seven or eight, actually. Yeah. So I'll go. Half. I'll go eight. Well, yeah, I'm going eight. I'm being positive today. Go on then. Go on then. But I, I, I will say this. I will say this. I'll say this about that. I would that. love it if we. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think depth is interesting. Uh, I actually liked what I saw from Cody Court. I know he got some stick from dropping that fourth down pass. Yeah. I think he's better in the slot than he is out wide. Yeah. I think Ericsson's half decent slot receiver for depth. Yeah. What we don't didn't see we still don't know what we've got with Josh Malone at no, all. No. I mean Auden Tate, bless him. Who knows what's gonna happen pro. with him. All pro. Got our all our all pro Bengals team if next year. Bobby Hart, Auden Tate. Auden Tate go to the Pro Bowl next year. We'll do this podcast one episode completely naked. Okay. <laughs> How do <laughs> we do that every week, Nathan? Yeah, they wouldn't know, wouldn't you know. they? Uh, anyway, um, I would still like to see us draft this year some depth, but I would like to see four fifth round jobs. an outside guy. And there's yeah. there's some pretty good depth in wide receivers this year, from what I've seen. Yeah, I think we need an outside guy. We've got those zippy little guys in the middle. Yeah, for the slot receiver, I mean, you can obviously Boyd is is a good slot receiver. So yeah. um, quarterbacks then. Backs or back? I'm saying backs. Backs. Go on. For backs, I'm going to say a five and a half. Right. For back, I'd say six. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I think Jeff Driscoll actually, I think he did okay last year. He had no one around him. And I think he showed signs of having quite a good technique. You could see his baseball motion. But he had a very poor line and players around it. It's very hard to grade him. Mm. His, well, lack we of experience, his lack of experience would worry me as well. I, mean, I know he had a couple of games last year, but a lot of backups around the league, you know, you want a backup like Ryan Fitzpatrick, ideally someone of that caliber has been around the league, won some games, you know, could potentially do a bit if he got going. I'd get, yeah, yeah, five and a half, six. I think uh, Dalton was looking probably, or playing, or yeah, looking as good as he's ever done in that first three, four games last year. And then he just started to tail off a bit and then he got injured and yeah. difficult. But we've spoken about Dalton loads. Yeah, I, th- I think he's an above-average quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, kind of nudging that top 10 when he's on f- on fire. Yeah. Running backs. Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go, as, as a unit, I'm going to go six and a half. So who we got? We got at the moment. We were saying we don't Actually, know if no, Gio is still going to be there. So we were saying Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard, and Mark Walton. And Mark Walton. I'm well, go- Walton's going to be on the edge, isn't he? Well, Walton's going to be on the edge. Um, I don't think he showed a lot last year. 
And he, but even though, you know, people saying he was a, was a steal coming out of the draft. He was a third round pick when he did geezer. Yeah, and that was the most surprising thing. a lot on a running back yeah. as well. Um, I don't know. Walton's got to pull his finger out, really, because he's had some, some trouble off the pitch, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, there's, there's some good depth in running back this year in the draft, so I would expect them to pick someone. What are you going with? When the draft? No, are you going with for uh, at ten? Well, if you if you take, uh, I like Mixon, um, and I I love Geo, but I, and I like Mixon. I think it's a seven. And I take again. There's a possibility to go higher. Yeah. Because you know Mixon had a really good season. Mixon last could. Year. I mean, yeah. I if he does break out, I want to say Sam Angel a few pints, but I'm going to say a six. I think it's a good one-two punch, but I think there's a lot of good running backs in the NFL. Mm. It's one of those positions that you can just have guys that you've literally never heard of running right every season that outdo people. I mean, and With James Conner last year, exactly. James Conner, Philip Lindsay, undrafted mm. guy, you know, going to the Pro Bowl, incredible. But you know, you got your Melvin Gordon's who's fairly consistent. Sean McCoy is always good. You know, there's a lot of good players in the NFL. You, in the NFC, you've got your perennial Pro Bowlers in Ezekiel Elliott and. You know, you've got Saquon Barkley. So, to say you've got like an elite 7, 8 out of 10 running back situation compared to the rest of the league, if you're using it as like a whole thing, I think Joe Mixon's definitely an above average running back. I think Giovanni Bernard's definitely an above average second running back. Mark Walton, we really don't know what we've got. So, I would be giving it a six. I think there's a ceiling there for sure. But you just never know with running backs. They're very, I mean, you look at Jeremy Hill, that first year he had. People were falling over themselves. I mean, I, I thought he was a serious player that year, Jeremy. He was knocking people over. That run against Denver in the playoffs, where he was just knocking people over, running past people, and the geezer fell off a cliff. And then he's slagging us off on Twitter. <laughs> so, I'm going to say six. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see. I mean, I do think there's. A, it's going to be really, really interesting. I think to see out of out of everything, actually. I'm really interested to see how Zach Taylor's new offensive scheme impacts the running backs because I think it could be fantastic for them. Only because if you look at um, the success that he had with Gurley in the Rams system, yeah, and again going back to the owners' meetings, he kind of he kind of suggested that that whole kind of run play out of shotgun is is not going to happen anymore which I was rejoicing about because I hate draw players out of shotgun I yeah, hate them I do as well um, I, cause I think Mixon is best when he's running downhill so do I so do he's I. shifty. He's quicker than you think. He's yeah, stronger than you cut. think. I think it allows the running back to make a cut. I think that's when we had Jeremy Hill doing that. It was a bigger guy than Mixon. You know, he just by the time he's turned, he's lost his momentum a little bit. Yeah, you know, he's sort of come in, got the ball, and then he's trying to cut with less pace. Whereas when you just hit the hole, do you know what I mean? You hit it, you cut. You've got a bit of extra speed to sort of get you past the linebacker. I agree. And as I say, I I really like Mixon. I think he's a really good player. Um, I think. Uh, I like. I really loved his progression last yeah, year. Yeah, I thought yeah. he came on a lot. Yeah. And you know the sky's a limit for him. You know yeah, it really is. is. Physically, he's got it all. A young lad. You know, I want him to score more touchdowns. I want him to be better in pass protection. In a passing game, full stop. Yeah, I mean, but that's not up. all down on him. No, it's not. It's that's down on whether Dalton wants to pass it to him and, and whether the play dictates that. But. True. Um, I think it's looking pretty healthy. It's going to be interesting to see how Geo fits it fits into it all. If he comes back. If he comes back. I hope he does. Uh, he's getting married uh, next week, I believe. So, yeah. um, 
Um, we'll Rose, see, but Rosie that, will be disappointed with that. <laughs> she loves a bit of geo. That's. Uh, I think it's a healthy looking room. I do say. I yeah. do think so. And I think. But and I think they will draft another running back. Yeah. Right. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Um, defensive line. So the starters will be effectively. You've got Gino in the middle. Well, a base defense. Say. Yeah. A base defense of Dunlap yeah. one end. Yeah. Uh, Gino. Yeah. Uh, Billings. Billings. Yeah. And it's likely to be Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson or Kerry Wynn. I think Wynn in the base actually. But we'll see. Well, it's, it's a toss-up, really. Depends if they want to. I think that's quite a healthy-looking one. I think they need to step it up, though. You wonder if you're going to start seeing tread on the tyres of Gino and Carlos. I think we started seeing a little bit from yeah. Gino last year, actually. Yeah, I know it seems like a. I mean, he's still had a good statistical season. Which is why I'd be quite up for drafting someone like an Ed Oliver in this year's draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it gives him backup, and it also it's kind of like you know he's going to be learning from him until you know. Gino's time is up in Cincinnati. Um, Carl Lawson could be a monster as well. Could be. He's he played pretty well last year until he went down injured. Yeah. I think he didn't, didn't quite have the numbers. Didn't have the sacks, but he, but he had involved. got the pressures and he he yeah. was involved a lot. I'm gonna say six. Uh, I'm gonna go. It's tricky because I think they underperformed last year. Um, and you know we get Lawson back, we get Ryan Glasgow back, we get Josh Tupu back. Obviously, that's the biggest. Uh, <laughs> Thing. You leave Josh out. Um, you know, you want Sam Hubbard to take. He had a really yeah, good, Hubbard solid well, yeah, rookie yeah. season. You want. I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar, Sam Hubbard, and I hope he proves me wrong. Um, that gritty sort of. But he's going to be one. Player. He's going to be like 100 miles an hour, yeah, yeah. always trying his heart out, um, always solid in that rotation. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to give that. I'm going to give that unit a, a seven, actually. And again, it's a bit bit of a ceiling. Yeah, they... I don't I don't disagree with you. I just feel like it's hard for me to give them a good grade last year when they got tanked. When that defense was being talked about as like one of the worst ever, ever, mm. not even just one of the worst last season. It's like, well, how was it that bad when you got? A, and I, I agree with you on paper. You got you know Geno Atkins, Dunlap, these great players statistically. Billings, yeah, drops off a bit, and Lawson was injured last year, so I can see where the holes were. But yeah, I'm gonna get a six. All right. Six and seven. Linebackers. So who's starting at this moment in time? Who's on the roster? Preston, Br- Preston? Preston Brown, middle yeah. linebacker. Yeah. And you've got um, Nick Vigil and Jordan Evans as the outside linebackers. So you've got Malik Jefferson in there. You've got... Um, I don't. Is Hardy Nickerson still on the roster? I don't yeah, even know he is. Brandon Bell still knocking around. You know, Mitt Jefferson was was a he didn't play last year really, so we we have no idea what what we've got with him. Um, I'll leave it at two and a half. Yeah, I'll give it a three. Um, there's no serious. Da- I mean, we've talked problem. about. I mean, Preston Brown is going to be in your bet. You know, that middle linebacker, that quarterback of the defense in your five base. Five out of ten if we're being lucky with Preston Brown, aren't we really? But you know, what about in in nickel? We're going to have like Vigil and Vigil's all right, another. Yeah. Jordan Evans again, fantastic physically, but not there mentally yet. Yeah. Um, Vigil is still not incredible, but he's certainly the best linebacker out. There. You know that, as we all know, that that that. I think even to say they're average, those guys is being quite an average player, quite a good player. You know, I yeah. think I don't think a lot of those guys be starting in other teams. 
Uh, no, I don't think so either. Um, and this is why we're screaming out for a linebacker. And there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that we're gonna no. we're gonna go linebacker. Well, the thing is, I mean, I, uh, I think I think you need well, at least one. I well, mean, I still think we need two. Yeah. To be honest with you, and they haven't gone for it in free agency though. So that again, the thing is, I think with unless tells you that the they're going to do it in the draft. The draft's one of those things where, like you know, you could do all these mock drafts and hear all these people talk, and on the day it can go completely pear shaped. But I would be they I'll be stunned if Bush and White are gone. One of them will be there. White White will go. White probably will go, but I think Bush probably won't. Bush, you never know with a draft because sometimes people's stock goes mad the week before or the night of. Yeah. So I won't rule anything out. Someone could jump up as they love him and nick him, but but then you might get Ed Oliver for as a result. So you probably you know whatever. But yeah. you gotta get one of those geezers, White or Bush. Well, yes, or you could wait till a Matt Wilson in the second round. You know, a Blake Cashman maybe. These you know, guys, all have these got to guys. Start. I mean, you've got to bring someone in who's starting. I, th- I think with the linebacker position, you need a starter. It's, it's, not, it's not about building this guy behind no. for a year. He's geezer's playing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, secondary, I'm going to give that a seven because I quite like the depth. I quite like the look of it on the paper. On paper, they played a lot better in the final half of the, the season. Safeties. Yeah. Jesse Bates was knocking on the door of the Pro Bowl last year's rookie season. Sean Williams, you know, when he plays well, he plays very well. He's a bit inconsistent. I'm going to it six. Okay. I think WJ Free's quality player, absolutely quality. I think Jay Kirkpatrick's well below average. I, I don't th- see. I, think, I don't think. I think he played pretty well last no, year. I'm not a big fan of Dre. I, I, like, he's a nice guy, Dre, but I'm, I, some of his performances have not filled me with confidence. And yet he's always graded quite highly on PFF. Uh, I know that's not the yeah the be all and end all. Um, Denard, I think, is a very good player. I think Jesse Bates, I'm really excited to see what more how he can progress in his second year. And then Sean Williams, one of those players that flashes, but then never seems to sort of, you know, he's had some silly penalties in the mm, past. No, I and agree stuff with like that. that. Yeah. Above average, six. Yeah, I'm going seven, and I think they could be. Yeah. If they all play to their potential, it could yeah, be, yeah. that could be a really good unit. Yeah, yeah. Really good unit. Probably, perhaps, even the strongest on the team yeah um, certainly from a depth standpoint there's some there's some serious depth there now right special teams then Huber I'm going to give him a solid five and a half six just above average yeah I'm going to give the whole unit uh, it's a difficult one to grade isn't it really Bullock I'm giving a three or four uh, Bullock I thought had a good season last year yeah he did but I still I think Huber had a decent season a solid you know good old Kev banging him down there and I thought he had a solid season last year um, you know, with so many injuries, the actual special team unit it gave up a few big plays yeah, last yeah, year yeah, yeah, from a coverage standpoint. And you f- you always felt really sorry for old chum Darren Simmons because yeah. the turnover, not just on the offense and defense, but the turnover and what is a very finely drilled unit. Mm. They, you know, if the, you've got players in there who play every every week, you know their role every yeah. week. Um, you know, he had to draft in players, and you know what? You know, it wasn't great last year, but I, I think there's mitigating circumstances again. It was was injuries last year, yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of turnover of of players. So at the moment, I'm going to give it a six. But again, it, you know, Darren can work his magic. Um, I'm sure it'd be, you know, because it's always been a pretty solid unit for the yeah, Bengals. Yeah, I think, yeah. So. so you know, there's some positivity there. Uh, lots of positivity. The funny thing is with that. I, we're barely giving out any. There's there's talent on that team. I mean, you Absolutely. go through it and you re- the highlights it. 
it does highlight it. And you go out there and you, you know, some of these new guys, if they perform well and you get a good draft, you're back on. That's why I think it's silly to say, apart from the linebackers, yeah. glaring error, glaring error at linebacker. There's no doubt. And I think, like you said, you need at least one, if not two oh, guys t- high up in the draft. I'd be disappointed if they didn't draft two linebackers yeah. in this draft. One uh, who's a nailed on starter. Yeah. I don't want a middle linebacker. I want someone mobile on the outside who can play, you know, th- a proper three down linebacker. Yeah. You got you bring in like Bush or White, the geezer starts sixteen games, a really good rookie season. Preston Brown has a decent season and Nick Vigil will stay healthy and that's not a bad unit all of a sudden. It's turned from being, you know, two or three out of ten to maybe a five, maybe a six out of ten. So I think that's where last year we got completely decimated was just over that middle. You know, you can put some pressure on the quarterback if you can cover, but if you've got nothing in the centre of the field, you know what I mean, for the running backs and for people coming out of the backfield, it just tortures you with tight ends and stuff, you know. And I want to see more from the defensive line next year, definitely. Right, um, this is a bit of a long episode, but uh, we've got some correspondences, as ever. Yep. Sam Anger, at Sam underscore Anger. Boys, number one, mediocre team for some time, had injuries to key players. Uh, but if luck goes our way, I think we have a playoff push calibre team. Number two, receive Ing, Green, Boyd, Eifert, Mixon. Okay, I'm not sh- quite sure what he's saying there, but I think you know he's happy with the receiving options there. Yeah, yeah. Number three, and Nathan, I just hope you can pronounce what you having next, Sam, having properly next, Sam? later on this mate, year. I, if, oh, mate, I, I that's a good bet. That is, it I'm is excited about that. Um. Now, we talk about uh, pronunciation because um, last week we had a discussion. Someone posed this question about our favourite curries. And um, this is what you said. Like, mop it all up yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Beers, yeah, I mean... Mango chutney with a pop of Don's. You said pop of Don. Pop of Don's. Pop of Don's. Pop of Don's. Pop of Don's. <laughs> Um, you can see where this is going, can't you? But why, why can't you say Papa Doms? I can't even say it. Is it Papa Doms? Papa Doms. Oh, with an M, is it? Yeah, it's not with an N. <laughs> Wait, I thought it was always Papa Doms. <laughs> no wonder you've been getting something completely different. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I got on a trainee and everyone's kicking off. Yeah, that cheeky Papa Don and uh, Mango Chutney. Um, and following on from that, Duncan Eden, that slam dunk, the funk. Solid handle. Why can't Nathan produ- pronounce Baltimore properly? Hashtag Cockney Geezer Issues. Baltimore. Baltimore, I sometimes say. You always say Baltimore. Yeah. Always. I'm, I'm shocking with pronunciation and stuff. <laughs> I, say for the, I say Marylebone. Do you? that stage rather than Marylebone. Yeah, but to be fair, yeah, I think that's, that's an easy one. Right, uh, John Lucarotti at Living La Vida Luca. That's solid handle, that. Another great episode uh, in reference to last uh, last week's episode. Some observations. One, it's particularly enjoyable to hear Nathan <laughs> modifying his accent when he's asking <laughs> questions of your American guests. Two, the backstory of how you guys got to know each other needs to be told. So, um, yeah, I didn't even know. I've not, you know, I listened back to this podcast because I edit, edit the bloody thing afterwards. So, yeah, and yeah. I didn't really notice that. Mate, it's my American wife. She, I, oh, I always yeah. get Blame this, it on I Rosie. always get these inflections. I mean, some people, I see somebody, they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, Essex. And they're like, a bit awkwardly, they're like, yeah, but where are you from originally? <laughs> I'm like, from Upminster in Essex. It's, they always think I'm Australian. It's just that twang, I guess. 
you linguistic takedown of me tonight, isn't it? It it's is. A Everyone's having a proper word. Takedown. Um, how do we meet? Well, grinder. We, uh, well, yeah, that's right, grinder. And then, and then Nathan pulled me <laughs> off um, on the street. I should say. I should finish that sentence. <laughs> While suplex, oh dear. suplexing a policeman, yeah. and we became a firm friends. That was a mad night, that was. I know. Oh. No, we, we, a funny story how we met, actually. Oh, dear. Is Twitter, it was me, yeah. Simon Hunter, yeah. Mike. Mike Smith. And you. Yeah. And me, Simon, and Mike were going to get a beer. And for about, we got about three beers. We all met up, like, a couple of different drinks. We met up in, sort of, around Leicester And Jamie away. as well, didn't Jamie came down the first time you came down, so about but the I third or fourth I time. Yeah, I did, couldn't make the first couple of and times. And the first couple I? of times, you kept turning us down, and we were like, this son of Ray Geezer, he's see, maybe he's up to <laughs> saying. And you one of those people who didn't have a picture on your avatar. I did I not? No. So I was like, he could be a creepy geezer, you know, we don't know. And look it. at me. <laughs> I'm I'm creeper than you <laughs> and thought. Now I'm in a dark sewing room on a Wednesday night. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> A good story though, isn't it? That was a long time ago. So it's about well, seven years ago. Wasn't much of a story. We met on what? We met on Twitter and went for a pint. Like yeah, yeah. No, it's a nice, it's a nice story because I say we all we all started conversing during Bengals games and we thought, hold on a minute, we live in the same city. Yeah, here, exactly, so yeah, why yeah. aren't we meeting for a beer? And yeah, exactly. eventually, everyone did. And Jamie came down from Manchester, and Matt Catterall came down from Manchester, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, Tim Knowles came down from Northampton, and. Um, and that's how we met. And then I think um, a short while later, um, it was 2016, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of took the reins over a yeah. little bit, quite a lot of bit. <laughs> just grabbed the reins by the scruff of the throat. And, and took them on. Um, I, you know, we'd be, I thought, you know, I just started to get into producing podcasts as yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah. not professionally, but for, for work and other bits and pieces. And I kind of thought that we should have a podcast of some description yeah yeah. and nathan being nathan um i thought he'd be a really good you know i thought no me knowing my limitations i i thought i'd be a good straight man and nathan uh would be a good uh non-straight con man, man. Uh, con man yes a con <laughs> man would be good <laughs> so we decided to give it a shot and there we are 43 episodes Mad, I, isn't it? I think the key thing is um that nathan and i live quite you know within a couple of miles of each other so yeah, yeah. Um, it works really well because we're able to get together really easily. 43 podcasts, though. You think that's 43 evenings over a space of about two years. It's a right knocking effort, isn't it? I know, absolutely. A knocking effort? What does yeah, that mean? I don't know. I a was good one. swear. I didn't want you okay. to bleep it out. <laughs> All right. I think we're actually not going to be able to... Not gonna ble- we haven't got any bleep. T- no, it's, it's a clean Excuse- episode. Tonight. Clean episode. That's right. A PG episode tonight. 12A, though. <laughs> Come on, you... <laughs> 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 oh mate, here we go. That's gone straight to an eighteen. That is radar. Jamie at Trequart Beaster one. We need talent all over. Really, not made the playoffs uh, three times. Last three times out. Need a big influx of talent. Two corners are strongest. But Denard had a down year last year, and Dre commits too many pens. Yeah, number, th- number three, Nathan can't pronounce Poppadom <laughs> properly because he cannot, he can't pronounce out properly, as in out the northern word for uh, nothing. Can't do out. Can't do out. Can't do out. Matthew Wilson at Matthew Wilson MNC. Um, he's answering the question about who we should draft. Uh, we need to look at linebacker and QB in the draft. I would look at Will Greer from WVU only because Haskins is going early and Greer is a second-day pick in within reach. 
uh, linebacker. Got to look to Clelin Farrell or Devin Bush. Uh, Dreams of Witness at D Witness. Hello, Jimmy. Any thoughts on the Bengals being fantastic subjects for the Netflix series Losers Chaps? Don't know if you've seen them. They're brilliant. Now that that when you read that, you think, hold on a minute, he's having yeah, a word yeah. here. But Losers is all about a city kind of turning things around. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we might have to... I think it's a great idea. They were pretty good on hard knocks, weren't they? So It's incredible, the sports media now, with stuff like that, with the old Manchester City documentary. And yeah, yeah. How hard knocks has really developed. So I uh, wouldn't it be fantastic to follow it really on the inside like that, like, almost like a soap opera, but like obviously yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's hope they can uh, turn it around. Um, Mike Donahue, Mike D, the one... Um, uh, in reference to last week's episode when we sang our Vontae's Perfect um, tribute song, Perfect Day, uh, he said, I legit made my wife listen to it, and yes, the whole thing, it was stellar. There we go. Um, let me see. How many oh. copies have you sold of that song? Uh, at least none so far. <laughs> but what I am thinking of doing, because of course, actually, I'm going to keep it secret, but I am thinking of doing something okay. for Record Store Day. Okay. Right, uh, final question, because, uh, again, this is turning into a bit of a, a long one, so thanks for bearing with. Um, Peter Dadwell at Dadders. For the pod, in true mock draft style, can Nathan list his top five Bengals players, solid handles, Twitter or Insta handles? Now, to be Ooh. fair to Nathan, uh, that question came in when he was travelling uh, from work, so he's not had a chance to look at uh, the Twitter handles of our of our Bengals heroes. Read out some handles if you've got right. them to hand. And I'll say solid handle. I'll stay quiet. At Malik Jefferson. At C West underscore 55. At T Hopkins 75. Wait, he's a poor so far. At B underscore Price 53. At Joshua Malone 03. At Cody 16 Core. At Cordy Glenn seventy seven at Jeff Driscoll at CJ Uzumar, you can get even like brilliant. Get on with the Bengals. Honestly, even people who are great on Twitter like Geo has got at G underscore Bernard twenty five. However, and Andy Dalton at Andy Dalton fourteen at Carlos underscore Dunlap. Oh mate. At AJ Green underscore eighteen. But Carlos, here we're getting some okay, good ones now. Right, okay. But that is the standard. That's the yeah, general yeah. standard. It's such poor standard, at the minute. Poor handles. Poor handles. Flimsy handles. Flimsy handles. Um, Carlos's Instagram, which I quite like this uh, uh, handle, is at employee96. No, that's solid handle. That's a solid handle, that is. All right. Um, at Gino Sachs. Solid handle. See, they're getting better now, aren't they, eh? At Tyler Eifert. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> At fantastic underscore Willow. Yeah, that's a solid handle. William Jackson and that. Yeah. yeah. At about dat 23. Yeah, it's a solid handle. Who's that? It's Mixon, isn't it? No, Tyler Boyd. Oh, you're sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixon's got a good handle, though. Yeah, I was coming to that, man. Um, what we got? Um, he's got at Joe underscore main Mixon. Oh, Joe main man Mixon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it's getting there, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not quite... There. Uh, at Dre Kirk Swag. Oh, that's that's a solid handle. That's got to be my favourite. All right. Okay. So what, what are we doing then? We're, I'm we... gonna go Dre and Carlos as my two favourites, followed by Gino at three. Okay. 
And then maybe uh, then William son Jackson. Son of Ray at four. Then William Jackson at four, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. But what about the guy that's just left for Oakland at King 55 Tez? Yeah, pretty good, isn't it? He'd um, probably sneak in the top five if he's still there. How about these ex-players at... This is David Fulcher from the Bengals Super Bowl team of 88, one of my favourite all-time Bengals, at Rock 33 Yeah, pretty good. Solid at handle. Willie Anderson, our ex-Pro Bowl <laughs> uh, this one. tackle, at Big Willie 7179. Like, that's a solid handle, that. And the guy that made the dance famous, at the Ixter. Yeah, that's a good solid end of the world. So there you go, Pete. I hope Nathan did a good job there. Um, right, I think that we've got to wrap this up because we're getting into an hour and a half oh, territory. I think this could be our longest we could be ever in Rome podcast. now. It could have been on a flight from London and we'd be coming into land in Rome by the time you finish this. Absolutely. Well, really? Maybe, maybe Milan. Maybe maybe Edinburgh. No, hour and a <laughs> half, you get to Milan. No, you can't. You could if it was rapid. That's about a three-hour flight, man. Get out. Yeah. Hour and thirty-five minutes to Milan. I'm going to Google this now. Yeah, but if you read the airline, it was how oh, it's two and a half hours and fifteen minutes. I promise you, on my flight radar twenty-four app. It'd be about flight an hour radar. And, it'd be about an hour and twenty-five minutes. Ryanair, an hour and forty-five. So yeah, yeah I'd, you cut I'd, off, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd take my hat off to you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it only remains for me to say a few things really. Um, one, do remember our meetup on draft day uh, weekend at the Red Deer Pub in Sheffield. There's all, going to be all kinds of shenanigans going on there. There's going to be the draft on the big screen. We're going to be recording a live podcast. There's going to be a quiz with some giveaways. Nathan's not going to be there. So, you know, what What more do you want, really? What more do you want? Uh, that's on Saturday, the 27th of April. So do come along. Uh, you're all welcome, all very welcome. And um, I'm going to play you out with, uh, well... Uh, fantastic singer Scott Walker died this week um, he was born in Hamilton Ohio uh, was a member of the Walker Brothers had a, a really interesting solo career one of, one of the most influential uh, artists I think uh, of the 20th century uh, and he passed away this week so I'm going to play you out with a tune from Scott Walker as a tribute um, and yeah uh, only rem- it does only remain for me to say it's a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organization <laughs>